You know, the Bible says sufficient for the day is evil thereof. For we know not what is on the morrow. Our life is but a vapor. And so I don't know what all life is going to bring your way, what all is going to come down your path. Um, there's been no promise of, that I know of of no suffering down here. In fact, I think I've got scripture that quite says the opposite, but uh, I don't know what all that means a lot of times. And I don't know what all you're going to go through. I don't know what all you're going through, maybe even this morning. Um, but this much I can tell you to the Christian, you're going to make it. And because faithful is he that promised, not because of you, but because as we're going to see, if you want to turn the book of Exodus, we're going to see we serve a faithful God. And... God is faithful, and God made a promise, and the verse that's kind of stuck on my heart this morning a little bit, and I'm going to try to go through the exodus here, but I'm trying to get this verse on my mind where God heard their cries, and he remembers his covenant that he made, and (laughs) it wasn't the covenant they made, they failed oftentimes. And they're part of the deal. God referred to them as committing adultery on him because they had made a promise to him and they did not keep it. But one thing we know in all of the Old Testament, God never broke his covenant to them. God never went, I don't want to use that word, um, because it gets misused. The Bible uses it, but never, let me put it this way, God never cheated on them. Can I I say that? God was faithful to them. Though they were unfaithful, he was faithful to them. And we, that is just gives us a, a help and an encouragement today. Spiritually speaking, I don't know about you, but it does to me to know that I serve a God who's gonna be faithful to me. He's gonna be faithful to what he promised that he would do. And he promised us some precious promises. And one of those promises is uh, that you and I will enjoy the uh, blessedness of heaven forever. And so the Bible says, therefore, there remaineth a rest to the people of God. I can't say that for everybody else. Uh, We've been talking a lot about Canaan. Canaan is not the rest that I'm speaking of. There was still sin and violence in Canaan. Um, there's a land that is fairer than day. Uh, there's a land that you and I are going to that uh, will never sin and sorrow and the tears will be wiped from your eyes and we shall forever be with the Lord without all of the destruction and death that sin has brought into this cursed world. Uh, we are uh, going to a place uh, that uh, uh, you and I will never die We'll never say goodbye to ones that we love. We'll never watch our loved ones get sick. Uh, We'll never have bad shoulders and bad knees and 
uh, terrible uh, diseases to have to confront and watch loved ones uh, pass away. Uh, we are going to a place, I believe it as much as I'm standing up here today, this morning, that I am going to a land that is far better wherein dwelleth righteousness, whose builder and maker is God, and uh, it's created after true righteousness and holiness, and I want to be in that land. And so we are going to start out and just look just a little bit this morning at the Exodus uh, and see the cries of God's people have come under the ears of a holy and a powerful and a compassionate God. Um, God had the ability to make a difference, and he did. So let's just start. I'm just going to try to hit some highlights before we get to chapter 12, but to try to catch everybody um, up and refresh a little bit of the memory. Uh, we know that uh, what has happened in Exodus chapter number 1, Joseph has passed off the scene. There was 70 uh, uh, in that generation, and Joseph uh, that was in Egypt, and we know the story there of Joseph. Joseph has now passed away. And the Pharaoh during that time has also died. And uh, there arose a new king, a new uh, uh, Pharaoh at this time in, in, in Exodus chapter number 1. Uh, the new king has risen in verse 8. And this new king did not know Joseph. And uh, uh, so I'm just catching up a little bit, and I don't want to get bogged down into some of these typologies, but I just want to mention kind of quickly what has taken place. Uh, in verse number 9, uh, he said unto his people, Behold, the people, the children of Israel, are more and mightier than we. So you have an instance where this new king, he does not know Joseph on a personal level, and he notices that the servants, the slaves, the Israelites that are in his land uh, are more in number and they're mightier than his own people. Uh, that would be a dangerous situation to have people in bondage that at any moment they took a notion could kill you. And so what he tries to do is to destroy their future. He goes after their firstborn. And so that will, that will begin to curve the numbers uh, and turn the numbers his way, so to speak. And so he does that. We, verse number 12, um, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew and were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with, a, with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And so it gives a picture of what's going on in Exodus chapter number one in Egypt. Uh, they see what's happening and the, the number of the Israelites had already increased quite dramatically. God had blessed them to multiply and they had grown in, in power. Um, and, and so he goes after them and says, all right, this new king has no relationship with Joseph, doesn't know him in, in any way, has no special ties to, to who Joseph was or to his people. And he looks at him and says, okay, so we're going to make their life miserable and we're going we're gonna to make the life they do have very miserable and we're going to destroy their future uh, by going after the firstborn. And so we know Egypt is the type of the world. We know the life of the transgressor is hard. We know that living in sin is a difficult and a horrible life and it is a life that will eventually end up in your death. Uh, you're already dead spiritually, but you shall die of the second death. 
and uh, you will die and spend eternity in hell uh, in judgment because of the life that you have lived in sin. Uh, but sin and life lived in Egypt is a hard life. It's meant to be. It's supposed to be. What would drive you to want to be saved if life was enjoyable in Egypt? We all knew, didn't know that before God began to deal with us. Um, but when we start realizing that sin is a uh, horrible, cruel taskmaster, this is what happens here. Uh, the taskmasters that are appointed over the people of Israel are purposefully making their lives miserable. Uh, that is the devil and what he and how he is operating. Uh, he doesn't want anybody to have peace in their life. He wants your life to be filled with confusion, with doubts. He wants you to doubt God. He doesn't want you to find if you don't believe in God. He doesn't really care either way, just so long as you don't serve him. But the life he wants you to live is not a life of peace and enjoyment, right? It's a cruel, miserable life, and nobody, there's pleasure in it for a season, but I promise you, Egypt, you will come to yourself one day and realize Egypt is not a place that you want to live. You, there will come a time, hopefully in your life, uh, that you will see, if you'll not sin against your conscience, you will come to a place in your life where you will want delivered from Egypt. And uh, I know that time in my life, when I came to the place, there were many times in my life that I wanted delivered from some of the things that Egypt caused me, but I didn't want to leave Egypt. Anybody ever been there? Uh, I wanted to enjoy all that Egypt had to offer, but I didn't want to enjoy the problems that came with it. Uh, I didn't want to suffer those things. And so you'd go make professions and say, now, God, I want to stay in Egypt, uh, but I want you to fix this mess I made. Would you do that, please? And God doesn't make deals with people, right? Uh, the gospel is a proclamation. It's not God making a deal with you. Uh, God will deliver you, and he's going to deliver the uh, Jews, uh, the Israelites from Egypt, but he's going to do it on his terms. Uh, you come to the gospel terms and be delivered and saved, or you don't get saved at all. You don't make deals with God. God, I'll do this. If you'll save me, I'll, I, I'll stop doing this little thing here, but I'm not going to do it. God doesn't make deals with you. You come to him and bow your knee in repentance and faith, or you don't get saved at all. And uh, so you come on his terms. So we see in Exodus chapter number one, we're open to the fact that the uh, Egyptians have begun to make life um, very difficult for them. Uh, God did not want his people in Egypt. He wanted to take them somewhere else. And uh, so uh, the uh, taskmasters begin to get uh, extremely cruel and life begins to get very difficult. You'll see various times where uh, in the process of time it's mentioned again uh, and so can I just say this morning Egypt may seem fun for a little time but just give it a little more time and I promise you you will want out and there's only one way out of a life of sin in Egypt there's only one deliverer and there's only one lamb and there's only one way out and so God's going to show them that there's a way out 
and we're going to see that. Thank the Lord for a way out of Egypt. Um, I didn't want, I don't know about you, but I didn't just want out of a particular sin. I wanted out of sin altogether. Now, I wanted delivered from uh, the desire and pleasures and loves and lust and all those things that come along with it, uh, though we still struggle with it every day, and so did they, and we see that. Uh, we still struggle with it progressively. There's coming a day and the moment in the twinkle of an eye that we shall all be changed, and God will deliver us. Uh, God will save us from sin altogether uh, coming one day, and we're now just awaiting. We have the spirit of adoption in our hearts whereby we cry, Abba, Father, but now we're just awaiting for the adoption to wit to know the redemption of our bodies. We're waiting, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? We want to be delivered from the very presence of sin. I don't know about you. I want delivered from your sins and mine. I want away from all of them. They've brought nothing but heartache and destruction and cruelty and tears and toiling and, and, and ulcers. and I mean, sin altogether has destroyed our families, our homes, and our futures, and the only hope we have is Jesus. And so, uh, I don't know about you, I want to deliver, and I am no longer an Egyptian. Uh, I have been delivered uh, from those people and from that lifestyle, and now sin no longer has any dominion over me. I am no longer under the cruel taskmaster and to where I obey it in the lust thereof, but I have a power which worketh in me that will enable me to overcome who is stronger and more lovely uh, than any of the taskmasters that I had in Egypt. And so uh, that day can come for you. Uh, you are just being um, taken captive at his will. The devil is referred to as the God of this world. Uh, people say, well, nobody's telling me what to do. Uh, you're fooling yourself to believe that. Everybody's obeying somebody to some degree or another. And if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you are doing the bidding of a cruel taskmaster. Uh, his name is the devil, and he is making you do what he wants you to do, whether you like it or acknowledge it or not. And uh, and one day, you will get tired of that, I promise you. And can I just throw this little plug in here? There's never been a day that I've ever grown tired and weary of serving Jesus. There's never been a time I've regretted him ruling over my life, and him uh, I, there's been a many a days I've regretted not listening, not, not submitting, not surrendering, not obeying, but there's never been a moment in my Christian life that I've ever regretted getting saved and walking with God. Never a moment that I regret getting on my knees that night some 13 years ago and bowing my knees and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's never been a moment that I've desired to go back and live and enjoy what was in Egypt. There's never been a moment I've regretted walking with Jesus who has been lovelier than thousands of thousands, who is the lily of the valley. He is, is altogether lovely, the Bible says. There's nothing about
about him that has uh, caused me regret or heartache or pain or wish that I was somewhere else. There's never been anything that Jesus has ever led me into that has caused me to have such pain and anguish like the taskmaster I had when I was in Egypt. He was cruel. He used me. He destroyed me. And I'm telling you, he'll use you. He'll abuse your body. He'll make you do things you wish you would have never done. And he'll ruin every ounce of enjoyment and peace in your life. If you let him rule your life, there'll come a day you will regret it. But there's never been a time that I have, (laughs) I wish I could obey him more than I do. Somebody help me with that, an amen there. Uh, But uh, uh, there's times, boy, he made me wish I did listen. Uh, But there's never been a time that I've obeyed the Lord that I thought, boy, this didn't, this isn't what I wanted it to be. Hey, life's not gone the way I thought it would. There's sufferings. Paul said, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as his prisoner, but be partakers of the afflictions of the gospel. There's going to be affliction and suffering also, but in the midst of that suffering, can everybody that's saved say amen to this? In the midst of all of that suffering, there's a deep settled peace in our soul from another world that I just, you can't explain. You can't, I mean, and we deal with death. We deal with our own sin, our own disappointment. We deal with how we're looked, how we're viewed, being attacked. All those things we still deal with just like the unsaved. But there's something we've got living in us that you don't have this morning if you're not saved. And it's the peace of the God of heaven and dwell in your mortal bodies. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. <laughs> and I hope you've got that this morning. There's a, a there's a deliverance. There's a way out. You do not have to live in bondage to the Egyptians and in Egypt any longer. There's a deliverer. There's a lamb. There's a sacrifice. There's blood that can be applied upon the door. And there is one that will make a way out if you want out. There's a way out. And I want to exhort you this morning. I don't know about you, uh, but I, I want out. I want it delivered. I want it saved. I didn't want to. I didn't just want the mere um, peace of knowing I wasn't going to hell. I wanted saved from my sins. I wanted delivered from that life. I didn't want to be with those kind of people anymore. I wanted delivered from the holes, lock, stock, and barrel. I wanted out of Egypt altogether and God delivered me not just from the Egyptians but delivered me from the hand of the taskmasters that rule in Egypt and has taken me to a land that is fairer than day. There's a land that Jesus wants you to live in even while you're here that you will never regret. You will never wish you didn't go. In fact the Bible says it flows with milk and with honey and uh, hallelujah. And uh, there's giants where they're, go- where they're going. There's battles where he's wanting to take them. But it'll be wonderful. That sounds odd, doesn't it? Uh, now, we know what happened. We get on into chapter number two. And we see that Moses, uh, now that he has made their life miserable... Uh, and uh, he's now going after their future. He's attacking the firstborn, and uh, 
We know he goes after the man-child. He says, if it's a woman, let, let the, the, the little girls live. But the men, the, the, the little boys that are born, he tells the midwives in chapter number two of all the Israelites, he wants them killed. The Bible says, thank goodness for these midwives. Uh, but they, they did not, they, uh, where I'm trying to look for where uh, I'm wanting to, Show that, and I'll I have to find the find it for you here. I don't have any notes this morning, just the Bible. But uh, it said that they would not uh, any long. They wouldn't do that because they believed God. But um, so when she had opened it, she saw the child. Behold, the babe wept. So we know that uh, what happened to Moses. Moses is sent down and uh, uh, delivered uh, from being killed and uh, Pharaoh's daughter uh, finds Moses and has the Bible this is a law of first mention here that talks about compassion uh, but uh, the daughter of Pharaoh has compassion on Moses and uh, we know what happens she sends for the mother to nurse it and all of those things in chapter number two we come on down uh, we notice that Moses, he grows older and uh, begins to get, uh, um, remember that he's, a, he's an Israelite and not an Egyptian, and he, he uh, slays the Egyptian, um, and then he flees, and we get down in chapter number 2 and verse uh, 23, and it came to pass in the process of time, the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came unto God by reason of the bondage. And can I just say what a wonderful, wonderful truth that is. Is it not wonderful that when you were uh, in sin that your cries made it to the ears of the one who could deliver you? God didn't have to hear your prayer. God didn't have to hear you down there in Egypt. You made the mess. You chose to live there. Uh, yes, you were born into it, but you chose to remain. You chose to enjoy the pleasures of sin. You chose all those things. God could have just let you rot in Egypt. Uh, but because of his great love wherewith he loved us, the Bible uh, talks about the, for all of those great uh, wonderful truths that we know uh, was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And uh, there was an eternal love covenant that God had. God uh, is a God of love and compassion. And so uh, he is uh, hearing the cries uh, of those that are stuck in bondage. And if you're uh, unsaved this morning, can I uh, try to reason with you this morning? There is a God in heaven that loves sinners and will hear the cries of people that won't delivered from bondage. Now, have you ever been there? Have you ever done that? Well, no, preacher. I, I just uh, went down and signed a little card and, uh, and all of that. Listen, it's a whole lot more than signing a little card and being dunked in the water and joining a Baptist church. Uh, you better be born again. The Bible, it's a mandate. You must be born again. You have to have a new beginning. And so uh, I ask you this morning, have you ever been in bondage to the degree that it's caused you to cry out to the God of heaven to be delivered from the bondage of sin. If you've not, you've never been saved. You've never experienced new life and a new beginning until you get tired and want delivered from bondage. Do you want out of sin this morning? Can I ask you if you're not saved, uh, do you want delivered from Egypt? Do you want delivered from bondage? Uh, you say, well, I'm not in bondage to it. Okay, well, let's see if you're right. Quit. I'm not in bondage to sin. Let's see if you're right. Stop sinning then. Just quit it. 
Well, see, I didn't realize how many problems I had until I tried to put them down. <laughs> Anybody realize how hard it is to quit smoking? Who's quit smoking in here? Man, a lot of you devils smoke. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a complete joke. How difficult was that? It was tough, wasn't it? And you didn't probably know how hard it'd be until you put it down. I remember when you quit smoking, and I was, you wouldn't even say. But I remember my dad quit. That's tough. That's hard to do. You say, well, I, it's not that hard. I just stopped doing it. You're going to realize it'll be a whole lot harder than you think. Sin controls you, and you don't even know it until you try to get away from it. I, I know people this day say, I've tried to talk to them and I've tried to tell them some things about drugs, for instance, and they say, oh, I can quit any time I want to. I say, okay, prove it then. Just put it down and quit it. Then you're going to come to find out you don't have it anymore. It's got you. And it might be too late then. I said, no, I'm, uh, no man can take fire into his bosom. Can he? Nobody... Why is it we want to play around with sin? And can I say something else? Just throw this in there. I don't want to be around anybody else that's got fire with them that they're trying to burn me with. I don't want, I don't want my children around it. I don't want to be around it. I want to deliver from all that mess. I don't want to be around none of that stuff. I want to try to be a witness and preach to them, but I don't want to spend time with people that are playing with fire because I don't like getting burned. And can I let you in on a secret? If you're with them while they're playing with it, you'll get burned too. You cannot be around that stuff. And why would you want to spend time with somebody that's trying to draw you away from everything the Bible's trying to teach you? Everything your parents have raised you to believe. Everything the Bible has taught you about holiness and consecration and living for Jesus. Why would you want to spend time with people that are trying to make you more unholy? Come on now, don't dive on me. I want to spend time with people that are challenging me to be more holy than I've ever been. I, I don't need anybody dragging me down. I've got somebody inside me, Brother Reed, that's, that's constantly prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God that I love. I've got that already. I don't need no help with it. I need somebody that's going to stay over here going, Brother Glenn, keep on going. Keep on going. <laughs> That's what I want. Why, why would you want to uh, uh, spend uh, more time with Egyptians? Why do you want to spend time with people uh, that I'm going to tell you why most of you do? Because it never was in your heart to begin with. You, were just, you just did what you were made to do. And I appreciate, I just got done telling my children this. I appreciate my children. I cannot name one time that one of my children have backtalked me and told me no. I couldn't name a time that that's ever happened. They still have all their teeth. I can prove that that's never happened. But that doesn't in the long run make you any better than the rebels. Because given the opportunity to be free to choose what you will, you'll do the same thing the rebels are doing. You're just not doing it now because somebody will knock your teeth out if you do. I, you parents may not mean that literally. I mean it literally. I'll just keep them out of church for a while. No, I'm kidding. Come on, we got to laugh a little bit here this morning at some of that. They're about to get too big. They might knock my teeth out. I got a 
Now, let's quit joking around here. Let's get serious. But what you really are will be what you run to when you're free to choose it, right? Some people are doing right because they don't have any other choice. They don't have the opportunity not to. You put them in a place where they have the opportunity and they run with Egyptians. And this isn't an attack. I'm just telling you that ought to reveal a lot about what you are on the inside. You're an Egyptian. Dogs run with dogs. I've used the analogy before, but I, I say it again because I think it's funny. We dress up these little old dogs, and, and my, I wouldn't do this. So some of y'all, we paint their nails, and I have taken them to the groomers before, and I regret that. But uh, uh, they get their little haircut and all, you know, we do all this stuff for them. And I try to act tough, but I kind of like doing it for them sometimes. Uh, but uh, anyway, and, uh, and so we do all these nice things for these dogs. But what happens when you let the dog outside when other dogs are running up down the road? And there they go, taking off after the... They don't sit at the table with a napkin folded over their lap using a fork. Because they're a dog. And they run with dogs when dogs come around. (laughs) And how I know you've not been delivered from Egypt because you've still got Egypt in your heart. You've got Egypt in your views. And you're going to run with Egyptians and you're going to run to Egypt as soon as you're out from under the control and the power that's over you now. And you better seek God before you regret it. You young people, you better get the reality of God inside your hearts because it won't be, religion won't hold you true and it won't stand when temptation comes. But the power of Almighty God will. The Bible said you and I have the power not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is not true of anybody else walking God's earth today. There's one group of people that have the power to overcome, and that's God's people. Church membership won't do it. Water baptism won't do it. And say, well, what happened, preacher? Did I lose it? You never had nothing to lose. You're in the same boat I was. I've made, you remember the Southern Baptists were big on uh, uh, rededicating. Remember when all that came out? I probably rededicated my life 1,400 times. I couldn't number them if I had the. You ever rededicated? Brother Tony, I never dedicated nothing to begin with. Have you ever dedicated? Have, they say, well, I'm backslid. You may never have slid forward to begin with. Come on now. It takes a great, mighty power to be delivered from Egypt. It's uh, uh, let's let's go on here. Uh, so we come down verse uh, twenty four. God heard their groanings, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Hallelujah for the faithfulness of God. The Bible says, "For we're saved, we're in Christ. We have been forgiven for Jesus' sake." All the mess that I've made out of my life, God didn't forgive me for my sake. He didn't deliver these Egyptians for their own sake. He remembered the promise that he had made. None of us are going to be up there slapping our suspenders and boasting, are we? Where then is boasting? 
For we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift. Free. Doesn't cost you anything. Isn't that something? You know what, you know what it costs them? Well, let, 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 me, let me go quickly. So in, in chapter number 3, uh, the Lord says again, can you look in verse number 7? The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know, I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of the land. Unto a good land. And a large and unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites. And Amorites and Perizzites and Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, look how many times he says it again. Behold, the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me. And I've seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Marvelous, marvelous grace. God looked down at one time and looked down. And I know the, the, it's not exactly perfect because it talks about my people. But if you remember that God's eternal, it may make more sense to you at that time at, when you look at it. But God looked down and saw. Does anybody remember what it was like? Sometimes I think we forget what it was like to be in sin. I've not been that far removed from it. I, I can remember enough to remember it was just a, a life of sorrow, a lot of it. And I, that's about most of what I remember. But I do remember this, uh, you know, I can remember times that I would be thinking about things and, and be uh, wanting delivered from myself, and I never dreamed in a million years, I really didn't know that there was a God that heard my cries. There was a God that heard my sorrow, he knew my sorrows of the life in Egypt. And if you're here and you're unsaved, you think, well, nobody understands. Nobody knows what I'm going through. There's a God in heaven that knows and understands all of the sorrow that Egypt brings upon people. And has chosen for whatever reason for, to allow your cries to reach under him and look at what that verse says. And I am come down. Boy, we serve a good God. He could have saved us any way he wanted to. But he chose to come down in the likeness of sinful flesh and condemn it in the flesh. I'll never understand why God loves people like me and you. But he loved us so much that he decided to come down. The Bible said he, remember when the lad knew that there was no offering? And the Bible said that God will provide himself. He was the partial offering. He was the lamb. He was the, if I can quit rambling long enough to get there, 
God himself chose to come down and deliver you. So I just want to implore you, if you're not saved this morning, there's a God in heaven that loves you. And he loved you so much, he came down himself to deliver you from the cruelty of the taskmaster that you currently are under. Remember that he talks about one stronger than him, the strong man. There was one stronger than he. Thank the Lord for Jesus. So we see what's happened here. He's telling Moses, Moses in the burning bush. We get through all of that. And Moses, of course, let somebody else talk. I'm not a very good speaker. I just stand up there and probably cry anyway. Lord, why don't you just choose somebody else and let somebody else preach? But then we get to chapter number 11 and... uh, I'll try to just mention the highlights here, and we'll be ready to go home this morning. But we've had nine plagues already. And we have a tenth plague that God's going to send. And uh, I just mentioned some highlights here from chapter 11. Then we'll go on into chapter number 12. But every one of these first nine plagues that have come upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians, the Israelites, the Jews did nothing to enjoy being spared from all the misery that these first nine plagues caused. They didn't have to do anything. There was no offering made to be delivered from it. There was no, um, they just naturally enjoyed um, uh, being spared. Um, uh, so when you go on through here and see, well, why is that? I, I just want to say this for you young people quickly. There's a certain enjoyment in life. You get to enjoy life in a different way naturally because you have Christian parents. And you ought to thank God for that. Egyptian children suffered differently than these Jewish children did. They were spared from those plagues. They didn't have to go through all the pain and anguish. Imagine an Egyptian child. Imagine what he went through watching the boils and the plagues and the locusts and the death and the touching his family. It hadn't touched any Jew that we know of. They, they were just naturally spared because these... I just want to bring that up so that I can tell you young people... You ought to be thankful to be raised in a Christian home. You don't know what you've been spared of. You don't know what it's like to live a life in a drunkard's home. You don't know what it's like to be beaten, mistreated, and all the things that I'm driving by. There's a certain house I have to pass on the way to get here, and I can cry every time I pass by the house. You see these children out in the yard, and you know the life that they're having to endure. You see the sorry excuse for a dad out there in the yard. Makes you just want to wring their neck. (laughs) But if you think about the life of those poor little kids, if somebody don't reach them for Jesus, there's not a bit of hope for them. Raised in... 
poverty, where parents have spent their money to feed you if the school don't feed you. You don't know what it's like to live that way. God's always provided for your families. Some better than others, but nobody's gone hungry. I mean, you've been fed. There's a life you get to enjoy just by... And it doesn't seem enjoyable. It seems difficult to you. I understand that. But can I tell you, it's a whole lot worse if you are born to Egyptian parents. Be a whole lot worse to live in Egypt. Why don't you be thankful for what you've got sometimes? There's more hope of you being delivered, being in a Jewish home, than being in the Egyptian home. Now, there was a mixed multitude, from this I can understand. There's some Egyptians that made it out by the skin of their teeth. I don't know. I don't know who all was with them. I know they couldn't partake of the, of the Passover meal unless they were to be circumcised. So evidently there's a mixed multitude that makes it out of Egypt, some of which are not circumcised. So somehow they were brought along. Maybe, maybe they were around a Jewish person and heard and put, the door, and put blood upon the door and partake. I don't know all of those things. But this much I do know, not a lot of Egyptians have made it out. Not a lot of Egyptian children made it out. And I know we're Gentiles, I understand that. But I'm trying to get you to see, you've got a great leg up in life. You have a great opportunity from God just by being born to Christian parents. You ought to be thankful for that. Don't squander that away. Be, be thankful that you've been spared alive. Some young people get in their brains somehow. That somehow they've been robbed of this great opportunity to live for the world. You've not been robbed an opportunity by having parents that love you enough to keep you out of sin. You've not been robbed of opportunities to have uh, uh, fornication and, and all these terrible things. That's not been, been a, something you've been deprived of that somehow uh, you should be mad about that. You should be thankful to God that you had Christian parents that loved you enough to keep you out. And, uh, excuse me, but... Uh, so this 10th plague is different. It's chapter number 11 and begins to be spoke of. The Lord says to Moses, yet I'll bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go. And uh, speak now in the ears of the people in verse 3. And he begins to describe what's going to happen. Verse 5, all the firstborn in the land shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh and his throne under the maidservants and so on and so forth, even the beasts of the field. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land, such as there's none like it, nor shall thou be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if... This is helping anybody else, but boy, God's helping me. I remember when God saved me and delivered me up out of Egypt. I didn't know it at the time, but man, God was just, during those three days that I was under conviction, look at what he says to them. You're, there's not, dogs aren't even going to bark at you. 
Boy, God loves you this morning. I can't say that enough. I, I'd love to see you get saved. If you're not saved, I'm telling you, there's a way out. There's a loving God. And in that whole process, the dogs aren't even going to bark. You're not even going to. I'm, I'm going to so hold back the enemy. This deliverance is going to be so powerful. There's not a. You won't even hear a cry of the enemy. You won't, you won't hear. The dogs won't even be barking. You're just. I'm going to let you spoil them and take off free, and I'm going to take you to another land. And. Uh, <laughs> Turn with me, if we could, to chapter 12, and we'll stop, and maybe the Lord will let us come back here. But the end of that verse says, and the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Boy, there's just so much. I hate trying to cover so much ground. But verse number 12, uh, chapter 12, excuse me. And we'll go home. Let me just give you these first couple of verses. If you're not saved, there's only one way out. There's only one answer. And God's going to give them one way to be delivered. One preacher I love so much, I wrote it in my Bible. He preached a message one time entitled, There's a Lamb for Every Man. Boy, that encourages me. Doesn't it encourage you? Everybody that wanted a lamb found them one. It wasn't just in a select group of people and a select number of lambs that were available. Anybody that wanted out could get out. <clears throat> the Lord spake to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto thee the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So we know this is a new beginning. This is what's going to happen to them basically is they're going to have nothing but a future. This will be day one. It'll be like nothing ever happened. Isn't that wonderful? It's just like being born again. Doesn't that sound familiar? You'll have a new beginning. You'll be a new creature. A baby has nothing but a future. It has no, no past. All the sin, all the trouble in Egypt, all the heartache... It'll be left under the blood, and I'll pass over you. So I hope you're saved this morning. Let me just read this. We need to go. But this month shall be a new beginning. Maybe you're here and you're unsaved. Maybe you want a new beginning. Do you want a new beginning? Do you want a new, a new day, a new, a new month, a new life to begin fresh and anew, and all the old things pass away? There's only one way. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month they shall take every man a lamb. According to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him take in his neighbor next unto his house. And according to the number of souls, every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. I can't not say that and not say Jesus was perfect. He is our Passover. He is the spotless Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. There's only one way out for you to be delivered. And that was the offering of a perfect sacrifice in your place. The just 
for the unjust. The guilty go free by the way of the guiltless. The innocent set the guilty free. This is pointing obviously to Jesus in a number of ways. But if you're here and you're unsaved, you must see the, what John saw when he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Your lamb shall be also without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it the first from the dead. Well, we'll be here all day if we go into that. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats and keep it four days. Let me go down to verse 7. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house wherein they shall eat it. And eat the flesh in the night, roast it with fire. Don't boil it, but roast it with fire. And unleavened bread, bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Eat it not raw or sodden at all with water, but roast with fire. His head with legs, the pertinence thereof, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, you shall burn it with fire. He didn't want them to put it in the earth and bury it for it to rot, and we know why. But this is all speaking of Jesus here. And if you're here unsaved this morning, that's just the only thing I'd like to say to you. If you look in chapter number 12, you got a group of people that were in Egypt. They were in bondage. There was one way out for them to get a new beginning. And that was through the sacrifice of a lamb that had to be slain. And so this is Jesus. Jesus was slain um, as a lamb of God. And he was offered for you that you could go free this morning if you are here and unsaved. The Bible says here they're to consume every bit of it, even the parts that aren't as good as you, uh, aren't as tasty as the other parts. Consume the whole lamb. And then when I see the blood, we know those great verses I will pass over you. There was one way to be delivered, and that's through the blood of Jesus. Brother Reed's going to come. And uh, I don't know about you, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm thrilled that one night the Lord helped me to see Jesus and I was a partaker of the Lord and I took everything he had to offer me. I didn't break him up into little pieces. I just received him as he is. And if you're here this morning and you're unsaved, I want you to know that there is a way out, there is hope, and the only hope is Jesus. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for delivering many of us. So many of us here that have been delivered. And we don't know a lot, but we know we've been saved, and we thank you for that. But I want to pray for that soul that may be here this morning that's never been saved. I pray you'd help them, please, today, to see there is a great deliverance by a great deliverer. Help them to see Jesus and help them to believe in repentance and faith. We love you again. Forgive us where we fail you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stand to your feet a moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would, just for a moment. We're going to have one verse. If you need to come, you come.